Surprise, surprise. You didn't expect me back tonight, did you? Your beloved pastor had to get sick to get me back. Jake, if you're listening, get well soon. We're praying for you. You all pray for him too. Well, I, for a couple of days since I heard I was supposed to come and I praying about a message and I said, well, I'll just preach to him about heaven again. I preached to him about the place called heaven and I thought I'll preach about the person of heaven. But I decided something different, so you'll put up with me, won't you? Maybe, maybe if I ever get back, I might do that. I want to talk about good news. Isn't it time for some good news? Here, about everything you hear is bad news. I, I like good news. Now, I got good news for you tonight. If you'll take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of John, chapter 1. We're just going to read one verse. Camp there for a while. John 1, 29. 29. The next day, John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Could I talk about another lamb for just a little while? I... Uh, Many years ago, there was a man, the Bible says, after God's own heart. You remember him? His name was David, king of Israel, Israel's greatest king. But one day, David wasn't where he should have been. And when you're not where you should be, you'll probably be where you shouldn't be. You say, where was he wrong? He should have been in the army fighting. Kings went to war in those days. That day he loafed at home. Turned it over to his general. And you know the story. He plumbed up on his rooftop. I don't think that was one of the 12-12 pits, but anyhow, he, it's flat enough he could stand on it. And he looked across the way, and he saw a beautiful woman taking a bath. Now, I don't want to get into that, but I don't know why a woman would be taking a bath where somebody could see her, but that's beyond the point, okay? Anyhow, he was tempted, and since he was king, he could have about anything he wanted, and he had her brought to him, and you know the story. He committed adultery, whether they had a baby, had her husband killed. Things went on a while, and God spoke to his prophet Nathan and said, Nathan, I've got a job for you. I want you to go down and talk to King David about his sin. Wouldn't you like that, Ben Nathan? Have to go talk to the king about his sin? But Nathan went. I'm sure he'd prayed a lot before he went. And he had told the king a story. He said, Mr. King, there was a man in this community who was very poor, had children. All they had was one little lamb. Kids played with it. But one day there's a man came to this rich man over here that had lots of flocks, lots of sheep. And this stranger came and he went and killed the lamb of the poor man so he could feed that man. And David got hopping mad. 
tell me who that was. He needs to die. I think he pointed his finger right in his face. Mr. King, you're the man. You're the man. You had everything. This other man only had a wife, but you took her. You're the man. Oh, how that must have hit home. Must have hit home. And if you were to read the story about that later, how David repented of that sin, grieved about that sin, asked God to restore the joy of his salvation. But I wanted to bring you into that part of the story about a, this lamb that God used to bring a man to repentance. But our story today is about another lamb. John used this figure to introduce Jesus Christ to the world. There's a bunch of people in the world there that day. He was out there on the Jordan River. He'd been baptizing people, and he saw somebody coming. And this is the way he introduced him. He said, Behold, this is the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. This is not your lamb. This is God's lamb. John was the greatest man of his day. Even Jesus said there's none born of a woman greater than John the Baptist. This man wouldn't even go to town to preach. You know why? He didn't have to. They came to, out in the wilderness to hear him preach. He was a man that wore, his clothing was camel's hair. His food was locusts and wild honey. That, that don't appeal too much to me. But that's the way the old man lived. I don't, he wasn't an old man, but he, I imagine he looked kind of old dressed like that. And they come to hear him. They just sent to the town to come to hear him preach. My, how he preached. I'd like to hurt him. He preached like no other of his day. He was so different. He even had the nerve to preach on repentance. He told them people except to repent, they was going to perish. You don't hear much about repentance today, friends. I hear too much easy believism in the sermons today. People say, oh, just come and receive Jesus. Come and believe. And brother, if you come and receive Jesus and believe, you will be saved, but you will never receive Jesus until you've repented of sin. Except we repent, you're going to perish. That's what John said. And that's what Jesus said. And I believe they were authority on that. Don't hear much of that anymore. Oh, he went out there. He didn't have to go to town. The gurgling stream was his choir. The open space was his auditorium. And he preached. He, he was a... He was so nervy, he called them a bunch of snakes. I don't know how that'd go over today. But they still come and hurt him. And he seen Jesus coming down the shore, and he looked and said, Behold, the Lamb of God takes away the sin of the world. Not your Lamb. This is God's Lamb. So he announced a new thing to him when he said this was God's lamb. Revelation tells us that he was slain before the foundation of the world. Wow. You see, a lot of folks 
think today that God made man and he sinned that surprised God, so God had to come up with an emergency operation. That's not so. Jesus stood with God back there on the Mount of Eternity when he said, let us make man. And he did. So he wasn't, Jesus wasn't emergency operation. God had already planned that before he ever made the man. There was a, one sense, there was a Calvary before there was an ever an Eden. What Isaiah said about it, talking about Jesus, that he was wounded for our tragedy. He was bruised for our iniquity. Chastised and our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. And I'm not much of a scholar. I, I don't know too much about grammar, but I know was is past tense. It's already happened. Right? So he stood back there out of eternity. I uh, read back a lot of years ago, it was in some of our school books, if you're as old as I am. You ever hear of Pavlov, the Russian? He believed in what was called conditioning reflexes. And so he took this dog and he would ring a bell and he'd feed the dog. Ring a bell and feed the dog. And after a while, he'd done that so much and conditioned that dog, when he rang the bell before the dog ever saw the food, he'd begin to salivate. That means slobber at the mouth. And so all these lambs that had been killed all these years, God was conditioning them. Death, sin meant death. The lamb had to die. The lamb of the Old Testament had to have three qualifications. It had to be young, had to be male, and it had to be perfect. Our Lord Jesus Christ fit all three of that idea. He was young, he was male, and he's perfect. He could become the Lamb of God. Takes away the sin of the world. Paul says he was made sin for us, not made a sinner, but he was God's Lamb. In one sense, God killed Christ. Not not the Jews or the Roman soldiers. You know why? They may have finished it off, but because God allowed that, Jesus said, no man can take my life from me. Nobody can do that. No man can take my life from me. Peter says it like this. He says that he was delivered for a, for a, by the determinate counsel and the foreknowledge of God. Isaiah said, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. Yes, Jesus was God's lamb. He wasn't their lamb. He was God's lamb. The Old Testament, the Hebrew begins to build his spiritual and physical life around the lamb. He represented their approach to God and the awfulness of sin. The blood of the lamb became their sacrifice and their offering. The skin of the lamb became the parchment in which they wrote the laws of God. The wool of the lamb became their clothing. The meat of the lamb became their food. So the Israel made the lamb the center of their physical and spiritual existence. Christians today we build our life around the Lamb. Peter said, we're not redeemed with things like silver and gold, 
but by the precious blood of the Lamb. Then that is God's Lamb. Now what does God's Lamb do? To behold the Lamb of God that takes away sin. That was new to them. They had been offering lamb for generations, but they had never heard this to take anything about taking away sin. Their lambs didn't take away one sin. It just covered them over for another year and they had to kill more lambs. Go back and study that. Sins of the Old Testament were just covered. Adam's sin in the Garden of Eden just covered. He taught his boys how to offer lambs. Noah's sin of getting drunk after he got off the boat, just covered. Lot's sin of incest with his two daughters was just covered. It wasn't taken away. David's sin with Bathsheba, that we talked about, just covered. It wasn't taken away. Now we can say, behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world as far as the east is from the west. So have I removed your sins. When Jesus died, it was a day of uncovering. Isaiah says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We've everyone turned our own way, but the Lord hath laid on him, that's Jesus, the iniquity of us all. Jesus defeated our transgressions. He canceled our debt. That's why he is a must in the plan of salvation. So Jesus dealt with a sin problem in an effective way. And by the way, sin is a problem. We're all bad. Some are just worse than others. Amen. Someone said we all came the same mold. The only difference, some are just a little moldier than others. And I'll, I'll say amen to that. One man came to the preacher one night and he hollered, Hey, preacher, come out here. I want to talk you to talk to I want to talk to you about my problem. He said, Come in here, I want to talk to you about your sin. See, we're living in a world where it's just a problem. It's not really a sin. But sin is a problem. Some people say, well, the problem is we just need more education. If we, had, we could get the world educated, we could stop some of this stuff. Let me tell you, friend, we're living in the most educated world that we've ever lived in, and we've got more sin and crime than we've ever had. See, it's not a matter of the head, it's a matter of the heart. You get the heart right, and the head will turn out all right. We need a Savior. We are living in the, someone has said the day of the psychiatrist. They say that they can take you apart. They'll take you back to your childhood. I don't know much about that. But I'll tell you what, we need somebody that can put us back together again. And that's, his name is Jesus. Paul said, for other foundations can no man lay. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man come to Father but by me. Paul said, what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? See, Jesus wants to restore that relationship that Adam lost a long time ago. Then he said something else. The third thing. Behold the Lamb of God that does what? Takes away the sin of the world. 
This was a new thing. Jesus dealt with the sin of the world. Notice in the Old Testament how this theme is expanded. I want you to catch this. In Abel's day, it was a lamb for a man. His lamb wouldn't atone for, for Cain's sin. When you go down to Egypt, they were in slavery down there. And one of the plagues was, God told them, you take the blood of the lamb, put it over the doorpost and down the sides. Get your family in there. When the death angel passes over, your child, oldest, won't, won't die. A lamb for a man and a lamb for a family. See how this river's getting deeper? And then on the Day of Atonement, when they got out in the wilderness there and built the tabernacle, on the Day of Atonement, it was a lamb for a nation. Now something is different. Behold the Lamb of God. Not just for a man, not just for a family, not just for a nation, but behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. You see, I, I, I'm, free. I'm glad that it said sin of the world instead of the sin of Richard McCormick. You know why? I expect you could get on your internet and you could find out there's a lot of Richard McCormick's in this world. And he might have met one of them. But oh, when he said the sins of the world, I knew he meant this Richard McCormick. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You know, it's amazing to me Nobody's excluded, only the, un, only the unwilling. Before you can get into God's family, you're going to have to admit you're bad. That's all going repentance. It, it, that's strange. That's a paradox. You get in organizations in this world, you've got to prove how good you are. But to get in God's family, admit you're bad. And He'll forgive you and He'll save you. I... Uh, Salvation is by faith. and Who can believe? Everybody can believe. You say, preacher, I don't have that faith. The Bible says God has given every man a measure of faith. And I know you all got faith. You might not have saving faith. But God given us a measure. Let me ask you, anybody here ever go to the doctor? I'm going to tell you, you go to a doctor you've never seen before. He writes you out a prescription you probably can't read. You'll take a druggist that you can't pronounce his name. He'll mix up something and give to you and hope that you get well. You talk to me and don't have faith. That's not saving faith, but we've all got faith. No one can give an excuse that salvation is not for me, it's just for others. Salvation is universal. I don't mean that everybody's going to get it, but everybody could. Say yes to, let me read this scripture. Paul said, God is not very far from any of us. He said, the word is nigh thee, even unto thy mouth. What's that mean? Just say yes to Jesus. It's, 
and you can be saved. Repent of your sin. No one can say it's for others and not for me. Men of all nations and colors, I believe, will rise and condemn the unsaved man who attempts to use that excuse. What do you mean? I believe every, uncon every condemned man will have his counterpart in heaven. For instance, here's some woman stands before the judgment. She says, Lord, you know I'm a widow woman. I've got a house full of kids. I had to work all my life. And I never had time to take my kids to church. I believe God will show a widow woman in heaven. I want you to look at her. She's a widow woman. She had a house full of kids, but she took time on Sunday to take her kids to church where they could all find Christ and their Savior. That would be a poor excuse when they stand before God. Every condemned man will have his counterpart in heaven. I want to close with this little story I heard and read a long time ago, but it it spoke to this point. There was a traveling man went through a certain town and he saw something that was strange to him. It was back in those days when, you know, some of the churches sat almost on the streets. You've seen them. Just sidewalk between them and the door just about. There's still a few around today. And this man came by this church and he saw something that was strange. And he saw the steeple Instead of a cross on it, there was a lamb on the cross. I'd never seen nothing like that. So he began to ask questions around town. He's very curious about that. Finally, he found an old man and said, yes, I can tell you the story of that. One day, the carpenter, when he was building that steeple, he fell. Fell off, the, off of the steeple up there where he was building. But when he fell, at the same time, a shepherd was leading his flock through the streets. And said, this man fell on a lamb. Said it killed the lamb, but the man was saved. And he come back up on the steeple and put a lamb on there. Symbolized that. I'll tell you what, friend, we were lost. We all fell. We come short of the glory of God. The lamb had to die, the Lord Jesus. He is the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. He had to die, but we can live. We can live. The Bible says, Whosoever will may come and take of the water of life freely, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. What a Savior we have today. He longs to come into all of our hearts and gives us a new life and a new hope. How can we refuse such a Savior as that? Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. That means your sin and my sin. Takes it away. Not there anymore. In God's mind, it's gone. Let's stand and let's pray. Brother Jamie, come. Father in heaven, as we take this time to just talk to you for just a little bit, we thank you, Lord, for loving us. Thank you for convicting us. Thank you for saving us. Thank you, Lord, 
that Jesus became our lamb. Our sins fell upon him. He died so that we can live. Thank you for that, Lord. Thank you for this blessed church that meets here Sunday after Sunday to share your word in song and in message. Thank you for their ministry, Lord. We pray that you bless them. Bless Brother Jake tonight, Lord. Touch his body. Bring him back down here real soon, Lord. May he come back stronger than ever before, ready to, to pour out his heart to you and preach the word. Give him words to say that only you could give him. Words with truth and power. May many souls be saved in the near future. Lord, if there's one here tonight that never trusted you, maybe young or old, God, I know you love them and you come to pay their sin debt. But it'll never happen until they confess their sins. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. I want to trust you that you might save me. And Father, if they'll do that, we know that you will, you will do a work in their life that only you can do. Give them that eternal life. For it's in Jesus' name I pray, and amen.